How you doing, Open Arms? It's good to be with you this morning. I hope you're all ready to hear from God. I, I, I know that I've been really excited about um, what he's been teaching me through the, my studies this week and, and looking at uh, what, he, what I believe that he wants me to relay. Um, so th- I, I want to take some time to ask you a question. What have you been doing with your time? You know, time has is, is changed a lot for a lot of us, hasn't it? It's changed a lot in what we do. Things are, are, are slowed down for a lot, <laughs> have slowed down. Maybe some people, I've heard some people say they've got a lot more devotion time, a lot more time to spend with God, but that's not the case for everyone. There's ones with little ones that aren't going to school anymore, and I know that your life has got extremely busy. And some people's lives haven't changed much at all. But the question I have for you this morning, the question that you need to ask yourself, is what am I doing with my time? Is it, as, am I, am I, what am I placing my priority in, I guess, is, is what I would ask. If you only had one day, one day, if you were only promised this one day, and, and at, at the end of the day, you had to present to God a spreadsheet on how you spent your time, what would that look like? How would you present that to God? Would you be concerned at the end of the day that you didn't, didn't live it out, didn't spend your time adequately, that you, you didn't use your time up the way you should have? That's what I want to talk to you today about. I want to talk to you about how, to, how, how it, important it is for us to pay attention to what we spend our time doing and what that means for us. See, God's timing, God gives us a certain amount of time. We don't know how much time that is. Sometimes it's shorter than we expected. Sometimes it's longer than we expected. Sometimes God changes within a day, and we just don't know how much time we have. But the thing is, is, is really, I want you to think about it this way. Time is really not your own. But God has given it to you to be a steward over. And how will you steward his time? Okay, let's, let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you so much for this gift of time. God, I, I know that as believers in Jesus Christ, we want to use our time uh, as well as we can. We want to be good stewards of our time. And God, I pray that you will um, impress upon our hearts the importance to pay attention to it and to know what to do with it. And God, that you would guide us and teach us um, um, what it means to, be, uh, to use our time the best that we could use it. And God, I I pray that you'll teach us something today. You will give us an encouragement in our hearts that you are with us and that you have blessed us with this. And God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning and give us an insight into your will, your desire, that you would convict us, that you would teach us, and that you would encourage us. God, we invite you through your spirit to speak to us here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I... As we look at uh, time, I'd like us to start with one scripture. I have a few scriptures here this morning. Start with one scripture of Psalms, one, Psalm 139, 16. Psalm 139, 16. If you, if you turn your Bibles there, it's right, right near the center of, of your Bible. If you can look at that with me. Your eyes saw my unformed body. 
This is the psalmist. He's speaking. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That speaks of how God has already set it up that we would have a a time that he has already ordained for us to have. He's already given us a time. He's already decided even before we we were born how much time we would have. We don't know. We don't know, and sometimes that's good. Sometimes we think we know, but we don't. We really don't. It could be from one day to the next. We don't know. It could be one minute to the next. We don't know how much time we have. God has appointed each and every one of us a specific amount of time. And the question is, the question is, how much time am I I spending in recognition that God has given me this time? So the question really comes down to the same question. What am I going to do with my time? I was reading an article from Bible.org that specifically talks about time. I'm just going to read you a small little excerpt from it. Um, this, and, and I think it's important to hear, just to, just to give us a, a clarity of thought as we think about time. In our performance oriented society activity that produces some kind of result is placed at a premium and time is viewed as a utilitarian from a utilitarian standpoint unless we can see some kind of obvious yield the time spent is viewed as a waste of time whatever we do must be accomplished accomplishing something tangible and this includes even our time spent in worship, whether alone or gathered with the body of Christ. We seem to need this time to be tangible. We seem to need this time to be something that, that produces something. Even our time of worship. Isn't that something? You know, I think this, in a personal note, in a side note, I think this hinders our prayer life, really. Because, because we want to see something tangible. And if we don't see the results really right away, we kind of steer away from those things. And that's, that includes prayer. And I think it affects our prayer life sometimes when we don't see uh, direct and immediate results. So we tend to, to go to those things we want to get results from. Are you, isn't that true? Isn't that, isn't that how we live our lives? We want to see our time used up so we can see something tangible right here, right now. That's, that's how we like to use our time. The, the article goes on quoting an Alex McKenzie um, wrote a book on time trap. I've never read the book, but this is an excerpt of what Alex uh, McKenzie wrote. Most of us sense something else about time. It is a resource. Moreover, it is a unique resource. It cannot be accumulated like money or stockpiled like raw materials. We are forced to spend it, whether we choose to or not. And at a fixed rate of 60 seconds every minute, at a fixed rate of 60 seconds every minute. It cannot be turned on or off like a machine or replaced like a man. It is irretrievable. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? It, it, at a fixed time of 60 seconds, and we have to spend it. <laughs> we have no choice. We have to spend it. We have to use it. So the question is, what are we doing with it? Some of us can look at time and many of us, uh, probably all of us at some times, can look at time as an enemy, <laughs> as an enemy with, or, or, or as holding back something from us. 
We, we say things like, I don't have enough time, or, or, or I wish I had more time. We think that time is coming against us sometimes, and we're fighting against not having enough of it. And it feels like time is holding itself back from us, from giving us all that it can. Our mindset is often to accomplish as much as we can in the time that we have. But there's one problem with that. We don't know how much time we have. <laughs> so how are we going to accomplish as much as we can in the time that we have? How do we look at time? This is the question I want you to ask yourself. How do you look at time? Do you look at, like, at it like a gift or a task master? Is it a gift or is it a task master? The fact is we should not look at time at all like something that we, that where we need to accomplish as much as we can or accumulate as much as we can. We shouldn't look at time at all that way. But, but we should look at it as something to wisely invest in. Isn't that true? Something to wisely invest in. I want to take a look at a parable. A parable that, that you might look at and it looks like it's about money but it's not about money at all it's about investing in the gifts that god has given us now specifically he's talking about the gospel here investing the gospel but time has very much to do with that so i want to look at it as this this parable called the parable of the talents usually i want to look at it and i want to look at it in as as a looking at time it's a gift of time okay I want you to pay attention to this. Okay, Matthew uh, 25 is the passage. Matthew, Matthew 25, verses, starting in verse 14. Jesus is done explaining about the kingdom of God, or he's right in the middle of explaining about the kingdom of God using different parables. He just, um, he just got done explaining the parable of, of virgins, or he just got uh, the virgin, the ten virgins. I think it's ten virgin, buddy, <laughs> and and uh, and now he's he's going to explain it in a different way. He's going to use another parable. So listen to listen up. I want you to look at this as a reference of time. Again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold, so I have gained five more. His master re replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put in you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put in, you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
Then a man came who had received one bag of gold. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take a bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a pretty heavy parable. And really, in essence, is talking about the gospel and hearing the good news about the gospel. But in amongst that is the gift of time and what we are going to do with that time and, and what we have and what we know. What are we going to do with what we know in the time that God has allotted us? It's not about how much we accumulate, but it's about how we invest our time. How are you investing your time? That's a question you need to constantly ask yourself. It's a question I've been asking myself a lot, especially since I've been going through this study. Looking at the morning when I wake up in the morning, how am I going to invest my time that God has given me? He's given me this great gift of time, and what am I going to do with it? What are you going to do with your time? The ones who are praised are the ones who took the gift and invested it wisely. But the one who was cursed was lazy. He didn't do much with the gift at all. He didn't do anything, really. He buried it. What are you doing? What are you doing? There's a conviction here, isn't there? Isn't there something? What am I doing with my time? It's, it's, I can't get it back. I can't, it's irretrievable. I can't get it back from uh, where it's already spent. What am I going to do with my time? Am I going to risk the things in life? Am I going to take risks for God? Am I going to invest in what he has given me stewardship over? Investing in the kingdom of God. That's what it is about. Investing in the kingdom of God. Are you investing in the kingdom of God? Second Corinthians um, chapter 5. When you turn your Bibles there if you have them. Uh, it will be up on the screen regardless. Uh, if, if I gave Josh all the right scripture. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I just want you to know that this is not the judgment seat, judgment over our sins. This is uh, the judgment in the church. This is coming before the judgment seat of Christ, where we will be... Uh, made accountable for all that we've done, good or bad. And, and, and this doesn't mean that we'll be judged for our sins. Christ paid our sin down in full. That's a different judgment. That's for those who haven't received Jesus Christ. This is a judgment of a reward. This is a judgment of status. This is one who will be given more. This is the one who will be given over, lot, giving much to, to look after. This is the one who has take, been a good steward of their stuff. And they're going to be accountable for those things. 
Believe me, you're, we are going to be accountable. It, just because we're saved doesn't mean we're not going to be accountable over the things that God has given us. The judgment is gone. The sin debt has been paid by Christ. But there will be an accountability. Exposing our deeds while in Christ. Deciding factor. It, it also is, is whether our faith in Christ is legitimate. There seems to be some kind of understanding that if we were serving Christ, if we were seeking to serve him and honor him, to glorify him in the body, it, it legitimizes our faith in him. It seems to be, uh, uh, you know, you get a question whether you're in the faith if you're not seeking to uh, further the kingdom of God. Uh, and that's just, just how it's presented here. I'd like to point out there uh, that in the church today, we see much apathy in this way, in this regard. We kind of, especially in North America, where we live out our lives and we spend our time much like the world spends their time. We chase after things of this world, and, we're, and that should not be the case. That should not be the case at all. We should be spending our time on kingdom things, not on this kingdom thing. Not on the things that will fall away. We like to ignore the fallouts of the future. Sure, the judgment's coming. So, sure, someday, but I'm saved. You know, Someday I will face Christ, but that's okay. Right now, right now I'm just worried about the here and the now. And right the here and the now is I want to enjoy the, the pleasures of the day. I just want to be lazy. I, just want, I don't want to focus on that stuff. And it's just it's something that we get caught up in in the world because the future is off. Judgment is off. One day we will face Christ, but that's not today. So we want to live for today, and we pay no attention to what we do with our, our time with today. Do you pay attention to your time? I know I'm convicted about this often. I, I, I introduced a, a little book a couple of years ago called My Heart, Christ's Home. Maybe you've heard of it. I know many at Open Arms have received that book, and I have it available for you if you want it online. you got to remind me, though, because I forget. It's a convicting little book where, you know, it's, it's, it's about a man who invites Christ into his heart. And Christ's heart, heart, or your heart is depicted as many rooms. And these rooms, as, as, as you're giving Christ a tour of your heart, not that he doesn't already know, but you've invited him in. And he's going through these rooms, and there's some places you just don't want him to go. And there's some, and there's some things that you just don't want him to see. There's some things he wants to change up in your life, you know. And so, so this, this idea of Christ being real and, and seeing the things that is going on in our lives and where we spend our time, is, is a reality. It's not just a little book. Because once we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive the Spirit of God into our heart. Now get this. The Spirit of God is not just, a, not just a, a, an airy-fairy thing. It's not just a metaphor. It is the real deal. It is God coming into your life and living in and through you. Now that is amazing. That's hard to comprehend. But that's what changes your heart. You have been born of, God, of above. You've been born of God. You are no longer the same, and you've received the Spirit of God. Now, everything you do, get this. This is where the conviction comes in. Everything you do and everything you spend time doing, God is there with you. Now, how do you like that? God is there with you. Now, let me ask you the question. Where do you drag God through? What do you spend time doing when God is there with you? Is the Spirit of God grieving and how you spend your time? 
Are you spending time adequately building on the kingdom of God? Are you wasting your time? Are you continuously building on the kingdom of the world? The kingdom that's falling apart, the kingdom that you were rescued from. Where do you spend your time? How do you spend your time? Take a moment and think about those things. Proverbs 16.3, if you want to turn your Bibles there. Just a short little passage that will help you understand where we need to be with our time. Proverbs 16.3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Many of us may be memorized that verse. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Now, doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that make sense that you would you, that be a place where you would start? <laughs> commit, commit whatever you do to the Lord. You know, I've heard many say that they like to spend their time with God, their devotional time with God, or that specific on-purpose time in the evening rather than the morning. And... And that's fine, but I'm going to challenge you on that. You know, how are you going to allow God to direct your paths if it's not first thing in the day? What are you going to do, live out your day and tell God how you did at the end of the day? Are you going to sit down with him in the morning? Are you going to kneel before him and you're going to, are you going to present your plans to him? And you're going to ask him to direct your paths for the day? Are you going to ask him to, to guide your steps for the day? Yeah, I just want to challenge you that your devotion time, your first fruits of your day should be spent with the Lord. That's, that's how your time can be used more effectively during the day. This is a practical application. You want your day to go well? You want your day to be spent for the kingdom of God? Then you take that time, the beginning of your day, and say, okay, God, we're going to start our day today. What is our plan? <laughs> what is our plan? What is your plan? For me today, I know I have these plans set in place, but how are you going to direct my past? Am I ready to, for anything? Because I've started my day with you. Are you using your time wisely? Is this how you're living your life on purpose for God? At the beginning of each day, God is a planner, isn't he? That's something that becomes over, real over and over t to me. God is a planner. He has a plan in place. He has a goal. He has a if you're feeling like you're lacking in purpose, if you're feeling like you're not being really self-fulfilled, uh, but you're, you're just you're feeling empty inside, maybe it's because you're not living out the plan that he has for you. What, what would you say? What are your goals? What are your goals? Are you focused? Are you Christ-centered? If I, was, if I was going to ask you to, to write a purpose statement for your life, could you do that? What would it look like? What is your purpose? What are your goals? What do you desire in life? What are the most important things to you? Are they unfocused or are they Christ-centered? You know, uh, we can put... All the things that God's um, give us um, stewardship over and allowed us to look after under this major heading of time. We can put our relationships under that heading and we can put our resources under that heading. We're going to talk about that in the weeks coming, the next couple of weeks. But I want you to understand something. Your time really matters. The time that goes by is gone. 
What are you doing with the time that you have right now? What are you doing with the time you have right now? If this is, if this is something that gets right down in your heart, right down in your bones, right down in your soul, if this is something that grabs a hold of you and says, Lord, Lord, I want my time to use to be used adequately for you and for the kingdom. God, show me how to do that. Allow me to do that. Teach me to do that. Start your day each and every day presenting that request to God. And he will be faithful to you. And he'll reveal to you. And he'll be with you. Don't go through it without being kingdom-minded. Um, Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 17. Be careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what God's will is. You know, it's important to live a godly life. You need to make a conscious decision on discovering what God's will is. In order to live a godly life, you need to take the time and just not, not, not just let it, your mind go, but make a conscious decision to discovering what God's will is for your life. That's how you live a godly life. They go together. They go hand in hand. So in order to do that, we have to have a plan. We have to have a goal. And as a Christian, as a Christian that goal and that plan is, is evident. We need, to, we need to trust in God's goal and God's plan. And God's plan is that we know God and we make God known. That's why our mission statement is to know Jesus and to make Jesus known through love, truth, community, and action. That's, that's why we've chosen that because we believe that it is God's heart and God's desire that we know him and, and make him known. That is our desire. That is a plan that we have. And that should be the plan of every individual Christian as they wake up in the morning. Okay, God, how can I know you better? And how can I make you known? If I, if I, if I spend my life and waste my time away and not acknowledge those things, then I am wasting my time and I'm not being a good steward of my time. Because that is God's will to, to know Jesus and to make him known. Colossians 4 verses 5. Colossians 4, verses 5. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Why is that verse in there? Why is that, why is that verse in there? Be wise to the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. I'll tell you why, okay? This is where it gets real. You want to know what God's plan is for your life? I want you to look at the Bible from beginning to end. Even if you haven't read it, you know the redemptive plan, especially if you're in Christ. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to look at the effort and how God has made it a priority in his life to have a redemptive plan written from the beginning of time. Ever since the fall of man has happened, God has written this story, and he's written this story out, and the New Testament is a fulfillment of the old. It's 
coming up to this climax where Jesus Christ comes and he lays down his life for mankind that we may be reconciled to him. Now, the whole story of the Bible is part and parcel of this story and God's plan, God's redemptive plan for mankind. And if God has put so much effort and so much time into this, if God has done this for us, if this is the primary objective of Christianity, if this is God's goal, if this is God's priority, then where do you think you need to spend your time? Shouldn't it be ours? It needs to be ours. It needs to be our time. It needs to be what we do with our time. It needs to be. It's, it's, it is wise. We need to be wise and a witness. How we, how we present our lives to outsiders is not, just, not just for them to like us, but to present to them a wonderful, merciful, loving God through his son, Jesus Christ. That is how we should objectively look at our time when we wake up in the morning till we go to bed at night. We are here. We will spend forever with God. But right now we have a purpose and a plan, and it is God's purpose and plan, and it has always been. It has always been the redemption of mankind through Jesus Christ. It has always been. It's not been anything else. So all the things that we do and all the things that we plan should be seeking God, knowing God, and presenting God through his Son. That is, that's, that's the reality. That's the reality. Everything else is, is building on the other kingdom. Now, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you a visual here. We have two kingdoms. We have a kingdom that we've always belonged to. Now, this kingdom is crumbling. It's falling. The bricks are falling out. The mortar's falling out. The castles are not where they used to be. It's just let you down. It's let you down. It feels lacking in purpose. It never really gets anywhere. It's, 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 just, it's just never where you, you wanted it to be. And, and God comes along and introduces to you to his, his, his son, the king. And what's represented that is a new kingdom. God's kingdom. Now, this kingdom is not falling apart. This kingdom is eternal. This kingdom is steadfast. Now, you belong to this kingdom, and when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're welcome into this kingdom. The only thing that you should have to do with this kingdom is to invite the people that are in that kingdom that's crumbling and falling apart into this kingdom. Does that make sense to you? This is where you should spend your time. You should spend your time building on this kingdom of God that is eternal and will last forever. And as if you seek God's advice and you seek God's plan and his desires for your life, it is always to be building on that kingdom. Don't waste your time to the one that's crumbling apart. Don't waste your time with the one that's falling apart. It's only to rescue people from that kingdom before it completely is gone altogether that you have to have anything to do with that. That's the only thing. You're living with one foot in that kingdom just to rescue them. That's all. Don't waste your time on that. We spend your time on the eternal kingdom of God. That's where you should be spending your time. As a matter of fact, it's crumbling and falling, and it doesn't hurt to give it a kick a few times and knock some more rocks off to get, to get it out of your life altogether. Does that make sense to you? It makes sense to me. Anyways, so spend your time. You know, uh, um, it, Maybe, you, maybe you're listening and you've never felt purpose in life. Maybe you've just never felt like you've, you've belonged. Maybe you just, you've, you've filled your life with all the things of this world. And maybe you're just you're here and you're, you're thinking, okay, well, I've tried this, I've tried this, I long for this, I long for a better life here. You just never seem to get purpose in your life. You know, there's a guy in the, in the Bible called Solomon 
who filled his life with riches and, he, and pleasures. And he filled his life right up with everything he could have. He's wise. He's very wise. God blessed him with wisdom. He blessed him with riches. He had all the material. He had lots of women, you know. He had, he had everything. He had all that he ever wanted in this world. And, and he owned everything he could possibly own. And, and he accumulated everything he could possibly accumulate. And he experienced all the pleasures he could possibly experience. He partied and he lived it up. And he just acquired so much stuff. And in the end, these are his words. Words of Ecclesiastes. These are his words. It says, it says in, in, in chapter 1, starting in verse uh, 1 and 2, the words of the teacher, the son of David, the king of Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What's he mean by that? He means that everything that he's accumulated, everything that he ever had, all the possessions, all the desires, all the pleasures that he ever acquired for himself ended up meaningless. Another version says vanity, vanity. It means it was all in vain. It was empty. Do not, do not spend your life on the empty things of this world, but spend your time building on the kingdom of God that will last for eternity. This man had it all. I'm reminded of the poem that I've quoted, um, the words often to you before. Maybe you can remember when I quoted these words from C.T. Studd's, Studd's poem. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. It's what you spend your time doing here that matters for all eternity. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Unless we are investing our time in God's kingdom, we are we're building on something else. I'm, I'm telling you that. You cannot, if you, if you look at your life and you say, okay, if you're not spending your time building on God's kingdom, it, your time's got to be spent doing something, doesn't it? Doesn't it got to be spent doing something? If it's not building on God's kingdom, then it's building somewhere else. It's doing something else. It's empty. It's void. It's building on the kingdom of this world. And so you need to you need to look at God's kingdom and say, God, I just I want I want my life to belong to you. I want it to matter. You've created me for purpose, and I want to live out that purpose in my life. If you've never done that before, I want you to, to look at the cross of Jesus Christ and how, how God has sent his son to buy you back, to, to rescue you from the kingdom that's crumbling into a new kingdom, an eternal kingdom with him. He wants, he wants you to know that Christ paid your sin debt in full, that you may be redeemed to spend forever with him and to be, you belong to him and he, he's created you for purpose. He's created you for purpose. Christian, if you've already done that, don't go back to the old kingdom. Trust in him. Spend time here. Spend your time investing in the new one. So what you're doing with your time matters. Invest in the kingdom of God, not your, your own kingdom. There's only one that brings great reward. You know that? There's only one that brings great reward, and that's the eternal kingdom of God. So where are you spending your time? How are you investing your time? It matters. It really does matter. It matters for others, and it matters for you, and it matters to God. You pray with me. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the reality of this truth. Lord, I pray that you will make us conscious of uh, what we are doing with our time, how we are investing in other people's lives for the kingdom of God, and how we are getting to know you and making you known in this world, that we consciously uh, take record of make record of all the time that we're spending God 
and know that one day we'll be accountable for that time. I thank you that, that all eternity is for us and that we will live for all eternity where time will no longer matter, but right now it does. And God, I pray that you'll give us a, um, a conviction of heart, um, understanding of what you would have for us in the future, God, and just direct our paths. Help us, help us to stay focused. God, thank you. I thank you for the gift of time. God, thank you for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.